Well, welcome to The Crossing. Good to see you today. And uh, wasn't Hosanna Poetry amazing? Isn't she great? Um, she's going to be out a little bit later in the, in the service for another time as well. Well, we are in week four of our Transform series, but before we jump in, I want to give you a quick update. Last October, we did a one-year giving initiative to make an impact in three areas. Number one, to make room for our kids. Number two, to expand our impact in Las Vegas. And number three, to invest in some local and global mission efforts. And I have some good news on all three of those initiatives. So let me start with the end first. Talk about our local and global missions. You may not know this, but when you give, 10% of all of your giving goes to mission efforts that happen not only locally, but around the world. And for this giving initiative that we did last October, we made a commitment to try to invest money in at-risk children and at-risk women around the globe. And so as part of your giving, you were able to provide $50,000 for a new school in Cambodia with our partners there. Now, these are kids who are at risk and recovering, and some of them currently in sex trafficking. And so the difference that we are making there is just amazing. I was on the ground there this past week, and I'll tell you more about that later in my message. And so we were able to send $50,000 to them. We were able to send $25,000 to help build an orphanage in the Dominican Republic, Many of you have been on the ground in the Dominican Republic. You've been working with our partners there, and you know the great work that we're doing there, just making a difference. And then locally, we're supporting Refuge for Women and Cupcake Girls who are on the front lines of helping women find respect and resources as they're coming out of the sex industry. And so just some great stuff that we're doing. Second thing is to expand our reach here in Las Vegas, that we're going to open our first regional campus in the southeast part of the valley. And our vision as a church has has never been to be a big church. That's never been our vision. Our vision has been to reach Las Vegas for Jesus Christ. And so now we have a pastor, Aaron Hoffman, who is our worship leader today, is our pastor. He's our campus pastor for that effort. Um, he's going to be in the lounge today if you want to meet him and get more information about this. We now have a location. It is Pinecrest School in, off of St. Rose Parkway that we're going to be launching. And in two weeks, we're going to have a preview service on our campus. So if you want to find out if this is for you, if you want to get a little taste of that as we begin to build a team that's going to be ready, we'll be doing that in October and November. And then we will officially launch the new campus the week after the Chiefs win the Super Bowl on February 12th. <laughs> this is going to be a great, great week all the way around after that happens. Well, the third thing that we're doing is making room for our kids, that we have about 900 kids, fifth grade and down, who are part of our ministry every single Sunday that we are able to just tell them about Jesus and how he's going to change their life. And I'm excited to announce what we're going to do to make a better environment for our families. Originally, our plan was to do a major construction project. We were going to take both of those buildings. We were going to build them together. It was going to cost several million dollars. But when our commitments and our giving came in below that level, our leadership just began to pray, feeling like God was speaking to us through the amount that he had provided. We had made a commitment to not go into debt and to not spend more than had come in. But what we're able to do is because families and kids are so important to us here at The Crossing, 
we're going to do some significant improvements to those buildings. That we're going to be able to significantly improve those environments for our kids. And so we're going to upgrade both buildings first to make them safe and secure for all of our kids that we're going to be able to separate our elementary ministry. So we're going to be able to put our, our kindergarten through second grade in what is now the venue, and then our third, fourth, and fifth grade will stay in Kids Crossing, and we're building both of those environments so it'll be a fantastic place for them to connect with God. We're going to improve our check-in and check-out process to make that more efficient. If you remember our old building, if you were here then, where the coffee shop is, that entire area is now going to be for check-in and check-out, and that'll help us there. And all of these spaces will still be available for mid-sized groups during the week. And so we'll start construction and all that at the beginning of the year. And I'm excited for how we're going to be able to serve our families better. But I want to thank you for your generosity at this place because you are making a difference in thousands and thousands of lives. Well, have you ever had one of those? It's okay. You can clap for that. That's pretty cool. Have you ever had one of those what was I thinking moments? When I was in high school, I had a mullet. <laughs> and I thought it was this great idea. I just decided, you know what? I'm going to grow my hair out long in the back. And so I waited a long time to get a haircut. And then I went and got this haircut, had it cut really short, didn't have him touch it in the back. And I came home and my dad said, I thought you were getting a haircut today. I'm like, I did get a haircut. He goes, it doesn't look like I'm dead. This is cool. He goes, it looks kind of ridiculous to me. I'm like, no, no, just trust me, Dad. This is cool. It's going to be so cool. Well, now all these years later, I know that my dad was right. It was one of those. Now, what was I thinking when I got a mullet? It's kind of the same thing that I think when I look at pictures in high school when I had parachute pants. Like, what was I thinking? You know, where the hyper-color shirts, you know, where they would change colors with, you know, your body temperature as you got warm or cool. It's like, what was I thinking? You have probably had some of those what-was-I-thinking moments. When the salesman said, 0% down and you can drive this car away without a penny. And today you're like, what was I thinking? Or that investment guy who said, this investment is guaranteed you won't lose any money. And that was before you lost all of your money. It's like, what was I thinking? Or you have a tattoo of your ex-girlfriend's name. And your wife says, what were you thinking? <laughs> that question, what was I thinking, is the question that sets us up for our topic today. Because today we're in week four of our transformation series, and it's going to be about this whole idea of being transformed in our thinking. And transformation, as we begin to look at it, transformation is this work that God does in us. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about being transformed spiritually. Mike Bro did a great job as he talked about that, that when we begin to trust God, instead of just trying to please God, transformation begins to happen in us spiritually. Last week, Lee talked about being transformed physically, that if you are running at an unsustainable pace, it's going to take you to an unsustainable place, and it's being transformed physically as we become more like Christ. Well, today I want to look at this, this scripture that we've been looking at in Romans chapter 12 because today's topic, it is the foundation for all of the transformation that we're talking about in this entire series. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 12 too. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, which means don't, least, don't simply live the same way that you've always lived. 
don't simply do what everybody else does. Because if you do what everyone else does, then you're going to end up where everyone else ends up. You do not drift in to transformation. And so we talked about this idea that here's what begins to happen to us. Because where we find all of ourselves is we find ourselves conformed. And think about this like a cookie cutter. If you're making cookies, the cookie cutter ensures that it's going to be the same every single time. It's the same. It's the same. And that's what this idea of being conformed is. It is the same. That we say the same things and we do the same things and we act the same way. And we're just like the world. He says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. That same pattern that we see over and over again. But he goes on and he says, be transformed. By the renewing of your mind, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so then we begin to look at our life and we go, what does it look like for us to be transformed? Because all of us, we want to go from here to here. See, this whole series is about this gap right here, how transformation happens. And there's not a person in here who says, well, I don't want to be transformed. That's the reason you're here. Because we all want to be, go from being conformed to being transformed. But here's what we try to do. We just try to work harder. We go, you know what, that's a great idea. So I'm just going to work harder. And we just think if I can just work a little harder, if I'll just rededicate my life to God one more time, if I can just promise God a little harder, then it'll all work out. Well, here's what we realize, that, that working harder does not work. That's the reason your last diet did not work. Because just working harder doesn't work. Apostle Paul gives us the key for where transformation begins. He says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. That transformation happens in our thinking. That we are transformed in our thinking. And then this is the foundation for all transformation that begins to happen. Here's this big idea for today. That if you think the way that you used to think, then you'll do the things that you used to do. If you think the way that you've always, you've always thought, you're going to end up doing the same thing that you've always done. But if you want your outcomes to be different, it begins when you change the way that you think, when you renew your mind. Well, I just got back from Cambodia. We had a team of nine people from the crossing. We went to Cambodia to serve our partners there. There's about 70 people who are part of the staff that are Cambodians that run the whole ministry. They're part of this mission. And so we went there to go lead a retreat for them and just had a great time. But I got to see and walk the streets of how the whole ministry began and what they're doing today. That our partners started this ministry about 10 years ago. Don Brewster, he came home from after being in Cambodia and he saw a special on TV about the child sex trafficking that's going on in Cambodia. That Swipok, which is where we're based there in Cambodia, is ground zero for sex trafficking, child trafficking in the world. That not only locally, that people come from all over the world, and they could go to this place and they could walk down the street, and there are these brothels that were full of children there in Swipok. And so as they got on the ground, as our partners got on the ground, they thought, we need to do something. And so the first thing that they did is they built a restoration house. Because the commandos, they went in and they raided one of these brothels. And as they rescued the girls, they needed somewhere to take them. 
And so they have this compound that has walls. It's gated. They have guards that are there 24 hours a day um, guarding these girls, and they brought them there. And so they bring these girls. we gotta, we got to see it. Bring these girls where they have safety, and then they begin to give them schooling and job training. But what they were discovering is that when these girls would leave the restoration house, they would move back to their homes, and many times they would end up in the exact same places. And so they knew they had to make a change. So they decided that they were going to start a church in Swipok. They were going to start a church at Ground Zero. And as I was talking to the pastor this past week, he said, when we decided to start this church eight years ago, everyone thought that we were crazy, that this is an unreachable city. And so they opened their church on the main road, and that first brothel that was raided by the commandos, that's where they opened up church. That became the ministry center on this main road. And they started a kids' club. They do it today, that we were part of the kids' club where several hundred kids who were at risk, and some of them currently being trafficked, were coming in every day for this kids' club. Well, as the brothel started going out of business, they began to buy them up and to move in for ministry. And so today on this road that used to be full of brothels for child sex trafficking is now a ministry center and a church and a school and a gym and emergency housing for these young girls and employment centers. I got to walk in to these employment centers where the survivors are now working and they have a wage that they're able to provide for their family. It is a city that is transformed. It's amazing that your investment is one of the greatest investments of transformation that I have ever seen. But here's what they discovered. They discovered that transformation could not happen unless they changed the thinking on the ground. It's not okay to sell children. It's not okay to buy children. That's not okay that they had to change the thinking. That's how transformation happens with us. That if you think the way that you used to think, then you'll do the things that you used to do. But when you change your thinking, when you renew your mind, the actions of your life begin to change. So how do we transform our thinking? I want to talk about two things. Number one, I want to look at a few scriptures that the Apostle Paul begins to tell us how we renew our mind, how we transform our thinking. And then I want to talk about some strongholds in our thinking that have captured us, that have some of us so... um, Um, captive to these thoughts that we can't hear God's truth. Well, here's this first scripture that the Apostle Paul, and this first thing is that we have to take our thoughts captive. We have to take our thoughts captive. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to begin in verse 3. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. That he's talking about a spiritual battle, and this spiritual battle happens in the mind. He says, on the contrary, they have divine powers to demolish strongholds. This word strongholds literally means a fortress or a prison or a castle that is fortified. It is the only time, this word strongholds, it's the only time it's used in the entire Bible is right here. And the context is your thinking. That a stronghold is a thought in your mind that sets itself up against the truth of God. That a stronghold is a lie that I believe that is contrary to God's word. And we'll talk more about strongholds in just a minute. 
Well, he goes on in verse 5. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So we're going to demolish all of these things that set itself up. This is a battle in the mind. And he says, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. See, the battlefield is the mind. I want you to notice two phrases here. Number one, first, is we take captive. We take captive. It literally means to conquer. It means to steal back every thought. We take captive every thought. And then the second phrase, we make it obedience. That we take every thought captive and we make it obey Christ. We bring it under submission into the lordship of Jesus Christ. That we take every thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ. That we take those thoughts captive. Well, here's the second thing the Apostle Paul tells us as we begin to to renew our mind, as we begin to take these thoughts captive, what do we do with them? We begin to think great thoughts. We begin to think great thoughts in our life that our thinking begins to change. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, he says this. He says, finally, brothers and sisters. And when he says brothers and sisters, he's talking to Christians so if you're a follower of Christ, this is, this is directed towards you. If you're not a follower of Christ yet, then you can have a pass on this. But those of us who are, who are Christians, we're believers, he's talking to us. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That the Apostle Paul, he gives us this filter for our thoughts that we begin to take them through. So I think for so many of us, that there are thoughts in our life that we don't want a part of our life and we don't know what to do with them. They just, they've just taken us captive. And he says, what you begin to do is you use these things as a filter. He says that whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely, those are the things that you think about. John Ortberg, in his book, The Me You Want to Be, talks about the difference between a dog's diary and a cat's diary. Some of you are dog people, some of you are cat people, and you'll get this. Here's what he said. First one is the dog's diary. 8 a.m., dog food, my favorite thing. 9.30 a.m., a car ride, my favorite thing. 9.40 a.m., a walk in the park, my favorite thing. Some of you have dogs, and you know this is the way it is. 10.30 a.m., got rubbed and petted, my favorite thing. 12 p.m., milk bones, my favorite thing. 1 p.m., played in the yard, my favorite thing. 3 p.m., wagged my tail, my favorite thing. 5 p.m., dinner, my favorite thing. 7 p.m., got to play ball, my favorite thing. 8 p.m., wow, watch TV with the people, my favorite thing. 11 p.m., sleeping on the bed, my favorite thing. Well, then he talks about the cat's diary, and it's a little bit different. This is the cat's diary. Day 983 of my captivity. My captors continue to taunt me with bizarre little dangling objects. The only thing that keeps me going is my dream of escape. (laughs) So let's be honest. Some of you are cat people in your thinking. It's just the way you think. So what's the difference? 
The difference is our thinking. See, gratitude is a mindset, and so is entitlement. See, when, when you're a person who has, has gratitude in your life, it begins to affect everything about your life. But if you're somebody who just feels entitled to what you have, that's going to affect you as well. You think great thoughts. And then here's the third thing, is that we set our mind. You set your mind. See, you can't stop thinking negative and destructive thoughts just by trying really, really hard not to think about them. What happens when you try really hard not to think about something? You think about it. You know, if I tell you, do not think about snakes underneath your chair, don't even think about it because they're not there. I'm telling you, we have people who look and make sure that there's no snakes, that there will be no snakes in this room. They're not going to be under your chair. You're not going to find them in this building, in this room. There's not going to be snakes here. Now, what are you thinking about? You're thinking about snakes. See, what we do is we begin to put our mind on something else. We set our mind on something else. You want to know how you stop thinking about snakes? You think about chocolate chip cookies. Because when you pull a chocolate chip cookie out of the oven and it's still warm and you pull it apart, and I mean, you can see that, that chocolate, I mean, it just breaks apart and then you take that first bite, it melts in your mouth. There is something about a warm chocolate chip cookie and the only thing you're thinking about is going to have chocolate chip cookies today because we set our mind on something else. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. Colossians chapter 3. He says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. That you set your mind on what God wants you to set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. He explains it a little bit more in Romans chapter 8. He says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Paul says, you set your mind on things above. Now, this is different than the power of positive thinking. This is different than trying to channel all of your positive energy in a certain direction. We gave up on that a long time ago. That you take out the old. That those earthly things that are part of your thought life, you take out the old. And then you bring in the new, the things above. You begin to replace those things. It's not just resisting earthly things. You replace them. See, this is why being in church is important, because it helps you to think as God thinks so that you're able to do what God says. See, this right here is why we teach the Bible in a practical way, because the reason that we have the Bible is not just so you can know more knowledge. That's not the reason. It's so you can live like God wants you to live. And that's why we teach the Bible in a practical way, so you can know how we're to live, how we're to act, what we're to do when we're faced with relational challenges. The Bible tells us. This is why it's important. See, this right here is, is why being in small group is such a big deal. I'm part of a transformed small group. There's about 10 of us in this group. And the power of a small group is that when you begin to share your life with other people, with other followers of Christ... When you begin to share what you're going through and you hear somebody, how they were able to overcome something in their life and how they've set their mind on what God has for them, it changes you because you go, I can do that. That I'm in the same situation and I can do that. See, that's the power of this is that you set your mind on things above. You set your mind on things above. And here's the last one, is that you never worry alone. For some of you, the biggest battle of your mind is worry and fear. 
that what you deal with on a daily basis is you have this anxiety in your life that has just crippled you and you don't know how to move, don't know how to move past it. Well, that scripture that I just read a few minutes ago where, where the Apostle Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, these are the verses that happen right before that. When he says, think about those things, look at what he says here. Philippians chapter 4. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, and look at this, and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, the way that you take worry captive is through prayer and thanksgiving. That when you have these worries, this anxiety, you begin to pray, and then you begin to live in a spirit of gratitude, a spirit of thanksgiving, because worry and peace cannot coexist. And God's promise is that when that anxiety comes, when you begin to pray and when you begin to have the spirit of gratitude, of thanksgiving, his promise is that you will have a peace that passes all understanding and that he will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. If you think the way that you used to think, then you'll do the things that you've always done. But when you begin to renew your mind, when you begin to take your thoughts captive, God does something with them. And so I want to talk about what does it mean to demolish some strongholds in our life, in our thinking. Because for some of you, that these strongholds, they just become part of your thinking and they drive your decisions. They drive all of the decisions in you of these strongholds that have a hold of you. Look at this scripture again that we read a few minutes ago out of 2 Corinthians. It says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. See, a stronghold is a lie that I believe that is contrary to God's truth and God's word. That if you think the way that you used to think, then you will do the things that you've always done. And so I want to talk about just five strongholds. This isn't all of them. You could probably think of a hundred more. But I want to talk about five strongholds that have us captured, that kind of have a death grip on some of us. Maybe one or two will apply to you. Some of you, it may be totally different. But I think that these are some pretty common strongholds that hold on to us. Here's number one, is that my situation is unique. That this is a stronghold, this is a lie that we tell ourselves that my situation is unique. No, it's not. This is why counseling is so incredibly helpful. Because they've dealt with this issue before. When you go to a counselor, I think there's only about five issues. And they begin to talk to you and they go, oh, you're 45 and this is your issue, you're number three. I think we can help you. Because they have experience in those things. And we tell ourselves that our situation is unique because it's our way of dodging the truth about our behavior. See, this stronghold is how you dodge the truth of Scripture. This stronghold is how you dodge wise counsel. As long as you say that your situation is unique, you can justify your bad behavior. See, the truth is, you are unique, that you are unique, but your situation is not and that is why God's truth, it's why God's word applies to you and your life. Second stronghold. It's not right, 
but it makes me happy, and God wants me to be happy. So sometimes people ask me, does God want me to be happy? I don't know whether he wants you to be happy or not. He might. But I know that he wants you to be holy, and holiness leads to happiness. I know that God's desire for you is to have joy. See, joy is this inner peace that's not based on the circumstances. Happiness is based on your circumstances. Joy is deeper than that. And you've made certain decisions based on that will make me happy. But if it's not right, then things will not turn out right. If it's not right, then it's wrong. And if you hear yourself thinking, I know it's not right, but it will make me happy, you need to pause because this is a stronghold that has taken your mind captive. Stronghold number three, if only I had blank, then I would be satisfied. If only I had blank, then I'd be satisfied. This is the stronghold that says that there is something that will fill that void in my soul. And once I get it, I'll never want anything again. You thought this with your first car, didn't you? Because when you got your first car, you go, if I can just have that car, I will be so happy. And then that car began to break down. And you go, well, if I can just get a new car, then I will be so happy. Or if I can just get that dream home, and then you get the dream home. If I, if I can just get my dream home repainted, if I can just get my dream home remodeled, if I can just have new furniture. Because it's an appetite, and with all appetites, they are never fully and finally satisfied. Listen, there's nothing wrong with cars and houses. There's nothing wrong with buying things. But the moment that you begin to think that your soul will be finally satisfied, if you have that, it becomes a stronghold that has taken your mind captive. Well, this fourth one is closely related to that. It's this, if I find the right person, then I will be satisfied. No, the truth is, if I become the right person. See, if you're single, you might have this tendency to think, if I just find the right person, then I will finally be happy. Or you're married, and you feel like you married the wrong person, and you begin to tell yourself, well, if I just found the right person, then I would be happy. The problem is, you take you with you into the next relationship. You want to know what the common denominator is in every relationship you've ever had? It's you. And you take yourself with you. Instead of finding the right person, you become the right person. And God will prepare you for something special. Here's the fifth stronghold. That my secret is safe with me. That my secret is safe with me. No, it's not. Because secrets seep. And when you take your secret into relationship, it does not remain a secret. It breaks hearts. Your secret is not safe with you because it seeps into the most important relationships in your life. And you and your spouse and your addiction is a bad combination. That your alcohol problem, your prescription drug problem, your porn addiction will destroy the relationships in your life. Here's what I've learned is that the truth always comes out. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but eventually it comes out and it hurts the people that you love the most. The moment that you think that your secret is safe with you, it is this stronghold that's taken your mind captive. So what do we do? We confess. 
We find somebody safe to confess it and we shine a light on it because then it begins to lose its power. Well, here's this question I asked you at the very beginning. What was I thinking? Because all of us have had these moments of what was I thinking and maybe that's where you find yourself today. But transformation begins when we renew our minds. We take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. That we transform our thinking. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, let's pray together. And maybe for you as we pray, maybe it's just giving one of these things to God. Maybe this thought that you need to take captive and saying, God, I want to surrender this to you. I want to make this obedient to Christ and begin to give it to him, name it. Whatever it is is part of your thinking, your worry, your anxiety. Where your mind goes, name it and give it to God. God, we come to you and we thank you that you're a God who sees into to our life and you want us to be more like Jesus. God, you want us to be transformed into the person that you know that we can be. So God, I pray that you would help us in this room begin to take captive our thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. God, that you would begin to set our minds on things above and not on earthly things, that you would transform our thinking. So we ask that you would do that today, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.